This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them, and occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is Sunday, February the 7th, and this is The Economy Guy coming your way for another wrap-up of an exciting week. I bet you look forward to last week a lot. Well, we'll be looking forward to next week a lot, too. I have uh, a lot to talk about today. I have five segments I'm going to give you. First, I'm going to review the markets and some of the economic indicators that came out. Just review what they mean, where they came from. Second, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to give you my opinion about Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is uh, something to talk about. I've never talked about it before purposely, but i am decided I will this time. Third, I'm going to wrap up and give you more in-depth information on GameStop. I had a lot happened at the end of last week. The whole economy guy was GameStop, last, the last one. This one I'm going to give you what happened afterwards and why and where is it going. The fourth section I'm going to give you is about the Fed, do they really know what they're doing is kind of the question I'm going to ask. It's a different kind of look at the Fed. Uh, I, I give you lots of different views of the Fed, like never fight against the Fed. The Fed clearly knows what they're doing. They, everything's under control of the Fed. The market's going up because of the Fed. All of that. This one's going to be, does the Fed know what they're doing? Question mark. And then the fifth and last segment I'm going to talk about is the review of the six possible precursors to a market crash. So, let's start with the first segment. So, let's start with the first segment here, and uh, economic indicators in the market review. Uh, economic indicators were really interesting that came out last week. There were 49,000 jobs created, new payroll jobs. That's a tiny number, not a small number. And the previous... December, uh, that's for January, the December number was revised to be minus 227,000 jobs. So uh, these are terrible, terrible employment numbers. Uh, but interestingly enough, they were interpreted to be good news because they'll encourage the government to spend more money. They needed lots of stimulus. Go big, big, big. Stimulate, 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 print, print, print. So that's the uh, way those numbers were interpreted. So what did the markets do? Well, the markets went up, <laughs> of course. <laughs> if you remember week before last, the Dow Jones had lost 1,000 points. Amazing. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was a big, big drop. It uh, ended below 30,000, 29,900, something or other. It ended up at 31,100. All of those 1,000 points were gained back plus 
a little bit more. All of it. And during that time, that was the Dow Jones. But during that time, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, NASDAQ both set new records. New record highs never before attained. So the market's back. And uh, remember what we've always said. It is an overbought market. It is too high. Too, too, too high. So that's the market. It's back. Uh, the Treasury, the 10-year Treasury, ended at 1.17%. At the yeah, a week before that, it had ended at 1.09. So it went from 1.09 to 1.17, up 0.08 uh, ticks, <laughs> want to call it that. Uh, and uh, that was, uh, for those of you who uh, listen to my precursors and know what I'm saying, you'll know what I'll say there and what that really means. The dollar went up. This was very interesting to me. The dollar went up during the week. Uh, so, uh, kind of uh, dampened down inflation and things like that. So uh, that was an interesting thing, a little bit. I mean, not a lot. Dollar, but the dollar did go up. Oil ended at $57. I haven't talked about oil for a long time. Remember, goodness gracious, a year ago, oil crashed and it was almost free. You know, you could buy, fill your swimming pool with oil for nothing and you know, that was really, really cheap. Well, but it's all come back now. And, uh, but as you know, gasoline prices are going up. But that's a political issue. The VIX, or the uh, fear index, as I call it, the uh, has, is uh, a 20, which means it's kind of calm. And actually, it's a little nervous. But that's kind of calm. Before it was 32 the, a week previous. So it came back down. So the market's... Feeling, feeling its goodnesses, see? So the uh, gold, gold is kind of an interesting one. It um, it was having a hard time last week. It uh, started up on Monday. It went up a little bit. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it went down a lot. And then Friday, it came back in a little bit. So it ended up at uh, 1815. Uh, it went down below, in, below 1800, 1790-something or other. It was pretty bad. And silver followed the, or followed, it actually led the uh, the game for gold. And why did silver do that? If you remember, well, one of the things that was going on is the GameStop people is, are reportedly were going to go after and start buying silver. So silver charged ahead on Sunday night and Monday morning, but it was beat back. Uh, there's a lot more money to control silver than the small guys that were trying to drive it up. So more about that later. That's it for the first segment. A second segment coming up, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Bitcoin. Okay, let's move forward with the second segment here and talk about Bitcoin. I'm going to do something different and just give you my personal opinion about what is Bitcoin and what I think about Bitcoin. What is a Bitcoin? A Bitcoin is, the good way to uh, understand it is it's a number. That's all. It's a hard number, a very important, hard number to find. And uh, people only find them by doing diligent search on computers, with spending lots and lots of electricity in order to find these numbers. I'll make an analogy to what Bitcoin is like. Finding prime numbers, those of you who are mathematically involved, uh, if you found a prime number, it, you, it would be yours if you found a prime number. But Bitcoin is a different, not is not a prime number, but 
say that you found a unique a prime number nobody has ever knew of before, you could have it. You could own it. Now, if you took all of those special numbers, those Bitcoin numbers, and put them together, you could say, I am going to sell them. Oh, yes. Will anybody give me a dollar per number? How about $50,000 per number? Anybody foolish enough to give me something for nothing? So what is it? I mean, so what are you buying when you buy a Bitcoin? You're buying one of those numbers. That's what you're buying. What is it? It's nothing. It is digits inside a computer. It is nothing. I think I'm giving you an opinion uh, of what I think about it. It's nothing. That's what I think about it. Um, why in the world would you... Well, let's do a counter-argument. Counter-argument. Well, look at it. There are markets in Bitcoins. They go up and down. You can buy them and sell them. And look at how high it goes. And My goodness gracious. And it's an, a totally irrational market. Right? I mean... How can you give assign value to something that is non-present? I don't know. Well, you can also say, counter-argument, you can also say, well, money isn't backed by anything, is it? The dollar, what's backing the U.S. dollar? Nothing. It's just a piece of paper that you give to someone else and they get an exchange of value. Can't you do the same thing with Bitcoin? The answer is yes, you can do the same thing with Bitcoin. And people are doing the same thing with Bitcoin. Well, isn't that interesting? Uh, but I would say, why not compare it to something that has value, like gold or silver? You can hold those in your hand. There is a fixed amount of them. It's hard to find. You have to go mining for them, the same term that's used for finding Bitcoins. You have to mine for them. You have to dig them out. But it's fit. you can hold, hold them in your hand. You can break a tooth trying to bite it. Hey, this is... It's something different. It's real. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, Bitcoin isn't. And it scares me. Because if uh, anybody comes along and says the king has no clothes, it's possible Bitcoin will find itself a little bit chilly. So, that's it for the second section. I think I made myself pretty clear on what I think about Bitcoin. That doesn't mean... I'm not giving you advice on buying or selling or anything else. I'm just a little education, a little think for yourself. If you think there's value in Bitcoin and you want to invest in it, go right ahead and go to Las Vegas too because it's a lot of fun. So I'll be coming up with the third section, which is a fun one. I want to talk about uh, what went on with GameStop. What really happened last week with GameStop because the week before was... That's what it was all about, and it isn't over yet. On to the, the third segment. Let's talk about what happened to GameStop this last week. First of all, the easy way to follow GameStop is by the numbers. What did the stock price do? Because it ended up a week ago Friday. Friday, that when it closed at the end of that week at a very nice high 300 price. And from there on, it kind of went down, except for the last couple of days, it's gone back up a little bit. Ended up the week around $60. Okay, so uh, well, that's a major swing. Uh, ultimately, you would expect the stock price to come back to something which would be representative of the value of the company that under, underlying it. And that's maybe around $20 or something. So it's still overvalued to somewhat. 
So the battle's still going on. Uh, that's what that tells me. It's a sixty dollars. This is a battle is still going on. So who's battling? Who's battling? The small guys versus the hedge funds. Remember that was the original thing. So you remember what is a short? The hedge funds are shorting. Shorting means that you're selling high and buying low, hoping that in the future the price goes down. And uh, the smart, the small guys were buying the stock, driving the price up, and therefore forcing the uh, because the how much money can a hedge fund lose? I think the answer is infinite. If the price goes to infinity, the, uh, they can lose everything. So that's the, that's what the, is happening. And it's, the idea is to give a lot of fear into the hedge funds so that they have to buy back their shorts at a higher price and therefore drive the price higher. That's called a short squeeze. Those of you who are like the term in terminology, uh, that is a short squeeze. But that's not all that's going on. And that's what I wanted to add to the to the color of the flavor of what's going on here. Oh, gosh. Well, in addition to buying the shares, the small guys were also buying options on the shares, calls. That's They were betting on the price going up and they were buying calls. And they bought a lot of calls. It's a highly speculative bet. But if the price goes up, and it did, those calls become extremely valuable, extremely fast. And uh, that's how some millionaires were made there. And um, But there's a catch with that. You see that there's a company that has to make sure that those calls are covered. Because as the price goes up, uh, what's going to happen is the person is going to exercise the option to buy the shares. That means the shares have to be delivered. And what that means is the company that will be delivering them has to go into the market and buy more shares. That's another group of people going in and buying the shares. So as the, the price of GameStop went up and there were a lot of call options purchased, the companies backing those call options that were wrote the call options had to go in and buy more shares themselves. Normally they don't have to do that, but they did this time. That helped push the price higher. Very interesting phenomenon. Another phenomenon is uh, as the price rose to the very top, more hedge funds would come in, I believe, this is me, I'm guessing now, I'm, this is my hypothetical, would come in and see, hey, there's a $325 price on GameStop. My God, let's short it now. Right. And I think you would find out there are people that would uh, want to sell short at 300 and drive the price down and want the price to go down, which it did. It's gone to seven. I believe some hedge funds made a lot of money last week when the price went down. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? I think it is. So how does Robinhood make money? Because they don't charge any commission at all to the small guys who are buying and selling shares like other brokerage firms do. So where do they make their money? Well, it turns out that Robinhood themselves do not exercise those buys and sells on the market. They give those orders to, in this case, a hedge fund. And the hedge fund pays them for what's called an order flow, that all of those orders are flowing to the hedge fund. And the hedge fund pays Robinhood for that. That's how Robinhood makes money. So order flow is the terminology there to learn here. And 
and, and, and a lot of money. Now, why, why would a hedge fund do that? And the answer is, in order to know what's going on before the next hedge fund and the next guy, because information is power. They want to know earlier, and they're willing to pay for it. And then they execute the, the trades. So that, that was going on. And I believe it was that hedge fund order flow company that actually on Thursday stopped Robinhood from taking any more per buys of GameStop. Remember that happened. And that's caused, you know, some lawsuits and, and investigations. And so that let's go on. Investigations. The government is investigating. The uh, Janet Yellen got together a group of her government oversight people like the SEC, the Security Exchange Commission, etc., a bunch of people, and said, hey, look, you better look into that GameStop thing because something as bad is going on there, right? So I believe they will be looking at everything. They'll be looking at the small guys. They're going to say, are they colluding on uh, that Reddit site? Are they, are, are they doing something illegal on that Reddit site? Oh, gosh. They'll also look at... Robinhood and its relationship of selling the the flow, the order flow, right? And they'll look at order flow and what is being charged by order flow. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it is there any law being broken there? They're going to look at that that side of the, it also. Um, they're going to be looking at everything they can look at here. They're going to say, are there rules for shorting strong enough? Are there rules for Short squeezes strong enough? Should they be shutting down the uh, a stock market exchange on a given single stock when it gets becomes too violent, goes up too fast, goes down too fast? You know, well, those are things that it can do. So they're going to hold an investigation. It'll take a while, months probably. And my personal prediction is nothing will come out of it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. But what is the biggest statement that I heard about? GameStop, because it, it certainly was, got my attention, if you remember right. And that is, uh, I remember one of the people that I listened to diligently is a guy named Mohammed Al-Aryan. And uh, he, he is the world's expert in interest rates, but he has an opinion on everything. His opinion of GameStop week before last was, we were very, very lucky that it did not bring down all the markets, that it was that a serious of an event that took place. He was dead, dead serious about that. He said uh, it was a big deal going on in the background, a big deal. So um, that got my attention, uh, that, he, that, that a person in the know would say it's that serious. So. Uh, so be it, you know, uh, when you see something extraordinary happening in a market, pay attention, ears perked. It could be anything that could come out of it. Let's go on to the fourth segment. Does the Fed know what they're doing? Upward and onward to the fourth section. Does the Fed know what they're doing? An interesting question. And I'd like to do a little history lesson, not too far back, of uh, Fed actions, so you can start to answer this question yourself, in fact. How about back in 2008? Remember 2007 and 8, we had a, a major uh, problem, a major problem that was called 
Lehman Brothers and uh, Bear Stearns. Those companies went bankrupt, disappeared. Poof! Uh, and why did that happen? What caused them to go bankrupt? What, I mean, what what was what's wrong with their books? How could they lose all that money? I mean, what, I mean that meant they were had negative money, right? They're in trouble. Uh, so, so, well, if you remember right, housing markets in two thousand and six six started to turn. There were a lot of bad mortgages, you know, liar mortgages. Remember that day? We don't haven't used that term in a long time, have we? Um, and uh, all of those mortgages were packaged up into things called mortgage-backed securities, more MBS, a mortgage-backed security. And those mortgage-backed securities, there were derivatives, derivatives sold of those mortgage-backed securities. So they were chopped up and diced in different ways and derivatives were sold and it was the uh, fact and then and and on oh, here's a beautiful part and all of the mortgage-backed securities and all those derivatives were given a triple a rating of you know the good good housekeeping seal of approval triple a they were truly quality investments yes what did that mean and what, what happened? Well, what it meant was that nobody really understood the risk, especially the Fed, especially the Fed. It caught them by surprise when, holy crap, you mean Lehman Brothers is going to be bankrupt? And I have to, me, the Fed, I have to put in trillions of dollars to bail out them and, and rearrange the assets among the other banks like Morgan Stanley and, and all those companies. So. Oh, that surprised the Fed, but they were there and they acted quickly and they, they were diligent in doing their work. What's the, the lesson learned there? The Fed did not know what was going on. The fundamental problem was, fundamental problem was that the rating agencies, AAA, that puts a AAA on these things, were wrong. They were wrong. Nobody was calling their bluff. To say that's can't be that junk over there can't be triple A, that junk is junk. So nobody called the bluff. I mean, there were a few people that were shorting those derivatives, and but they had to wait over a year to get their money. Anyway, that's beside the point. So, so that's what's what was going on. It's a perfect example of the Fed not knowing the risk and therefore not knowing what was going on. So how about today? Does the Fed know what's going on? Or what was going on? That's a, an interesting question. Does it give you the, does the Lehman Brothers give you any faith? Not me. Okay, well, let's talk about interest rates. Let's talk about it driving inflation. The Fed wants to have inflation uh, above 2% now. It's a, a willing to have inflation average percent which means it goes above two percent so now do you think the fed understands inflation when was the last time we had any inflation i mean it was president carter's era that was a long time ago people in the fed probably weren't even alive well they were children when that happened they don't have the experience of understanding what inflation is going on what that means gosh gosh it's, it's very scares me a lot but what does it mean when it 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 will average two percent? It means it's now lower than two percent. That means to average it has to be higher than two percent. What is higher? Two and a half percent? 
two and three quarters percent, three percent. What happens when inflation? Well, what in, happens when inflation gets to three percent? I believe that everyone will cheer, high fives all over the place, drink champagne. Yes, 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 because they did it. They're averaging. Okay, that's great. What if inflation keeps going up after that? There's a thought for you. Because if it does, it just means they don't know. You know, what pushed inflation up to 3%? What is the situation now? What the situation has been for 10 years, over 10 years, 11, 12 years, has been that inflation is impossible to get to 2%. Impossible. Because all that money printing has depressed inflation. Well, maybe we're beyond the depression part and it's going to take off. We don't thoroughly understand how that depression happened and we don't thoroughly understand how inflation happens. But I could tell you one thing. It's human nature that causes it all. Human nature, people buying and selling things. It's the marketplace that causes inflation or depression or deflation or whatever it is. Okay, it's the market. What if the market gets out of control? It did before. It can do it. The market is highly complex. It's not something that can be modeled in a computer by the Fed because the Fed has probably hundreds of models that they have. Well, they're all pretty useless because they've never been right ever. In the, you know, if, if when a market's changing, if they've never been right. If a market's not changing and it's tomorrow is the same as today, one of those models are really good, really good. Even, but even I could do that without a market and a model. Okay, so um, I think that it's possible the Fed could get trapped because what happens if the inflation does continue going up? The only thing that the Fed can do is raise interest rates. And as soon as the Fed raises interest rates, the stock market will crash. They know that. It's done it before. It can do it again. So, I mean, where, what's going on? Let's move on with this thought process one little step further. What could, in the near term, actually be even more dangerous to the Fed? Why, it's the market. The markets. Have you noticed what the 10-year Treasury is doing? It's going up. Do you think the Fed wants it to go up? Uh-uh. Not as much as it has been going up. It's sort of an inflationary index. People are saying, oh, it's going up because we're anticipating a stronger market. Bullshit. So uh, it's going up, but it's if it continues going up, it'll prove that it is out of control from the Fed viewpoint. The Fed does not control that interest rate. Watch that. Watch that. Certainly over the next two to four weeks. Watch that. It's going up. I'm personally surprised at how high it's gone already without a lot of yelling and screaming from the Fed. That's it for the this segment. Let's go on to the last segment next, the fifth segment. Okay, here is the fifth segment. It is the list of the six predictors of a stock market crash. Hopefully we see the predictor before the crash so we can take advantage of it or protect ourselves at the very least. Okay, what's the first one? First one is the 10-year treasury. And we've seen that, uh, interestingly enough, coming back strong. Uh, talked to, it's, it came back the week before last, last week. This, it's 
continuing to go up and it's going up quickly. So that's the one to watch. This is, uh, I would declare that the 10 year is, uh, I gave it a color, a traffic light color, it's orange. It's not green or red, it's orange right now. Pay attention. It's warning you about something. Somebody might be crossing in the crosswalk. Okay, second one is high yield bonds. No change in high yield bonds. In fact, they're getting stronger. That's what the indication is. That So ignore that. Uh, uh, that's a green. Everything's okay with as far as high yield bonds are concerned. The U.S. dollar got stronger because it's going, if it got negative that's, or weaker, then that's the indicator. It got stronger. So again, green light on the U.S. dollar. Uh, inflation. Inflation, again, we haven't had any uh, report yet. like to see what the import is. The report is, uh, I talked about watching that, but it's such a slow moving once a month type thing. Eh, it's still green. It's still green. We're, when it, I'm only going to call it orange when it gets above 2%. Okay. Um, five is uh, Fed policy change. No Fed policy change. They have not changed one iota. So green on five. Six is the bluebird. The bluebird was definitely orange. We had a bluebird last week. It, it settled down a lot. Uh, it's still... I believe a bluebird, orange, a light, light orange on the green end of that scale. Um, but uh, it looks like Gabe stock has settled out. Also, the movement to silver has settled out. So uh, it, it looks like the uh, markets are, the, the big boys have gained the control back of the markets. So nothing going on there. So what, what to watch really is 10-year yields. They're the ones that are flashing green right now. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed uh, the market wrap on uh, what's happening out there. and Pay attention to the markets. They can affect you directly, and because uh, they certainly can affect me directly. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to talking to you again in one week. Bye now. This is The Economy Guys signing off. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.